Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. On the topic of bets that burned me that I should have made and didn't, and bets that I didn't make and, thank God, here's one I stayed off of that I strongly considered. Three-team parlay, Rangers over the Jets, Lightning over the Blackhawks, Hurricanes over the Kraken, all those games Sunday night, staring me right in the face, why didn't I pull the trigger? Well, I'll tell you why, because I got burned on Hurricanes versus the Red Wings on Wednesday night, so I fell into the, if it's too good to be true, it probably is school of thought, and look what happened. This time, it wasn't too good to be true. I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast, and the way I look at that result is this. If I had bet on those hockey games Sunday night, then it all would have just made up for the money that I would have lost in Duke, North Carolina anyway. I would have lost my bet on Duke going with the Blue Devils in the Mike Krzyzewski goodbye game. I mean, how could the Blue Devils possibly lose that one, right? I mean, that was my thinking. No way they're going to lose that game to UNC in that situation until, of course, they did. But I got busy on Saturday, missed the first half, never got in on it, so I didn't lose anything in the long run. So it's a push. That's what I keep telling myself anyway. Didn't make a bet on Duke-UNC that I didn't lose on, but then I didn't win when it came to the Canes, the Rangers, and the Lightning, which would have been a fun one to hit. Tim Benz here. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. We'll talk more about both of those topics with Mark Madden in this week's Madden Money podcast momentarily. A lot of hockey, a lot of Penguins, college basketball too. Penguins are at plus 500 to win the Metro today, according to Bet Rivers. Carolina all the way at minus 455 now to win the division. Wow. Depends at 750 to win the East behind the Hurricanes, Panthers, and Lightning. They are all at plus 350. Then the Pens at plus 1600 to win the Cup. Nothing on the board yet for Panthers and Pens Tuesday at PPG Paints Arena. That's because the Panthers visit Buffalo at minus 315 or minus 112 on the puck line to cover a goal and a half. I might do that for the Panthers against the Sabres or. Maybe you can run a two-team parlay with them and the Leafs or the Avs tonight. Toronto at Columbus, Colorado against the Islanders. Three road teams and a parlay sounds like too much for me. Two teams, though, not so bad. Colorado and Florida tonight seems like a good pair in my eyes. But first, let's talk Steelers and let's talk Aaron Rodgers. If this weekend's pro football talk report about Aaron Rodgers is true, then the Steelers are exactly where they should be in the process. Granted, that's a massive if, but let's just start there at that point and move forward. 
Pro Football Talk ran a story over the weekend citing anonymous sources that, quote, Rodgers has specific deals lined up with other teams, and those teams have trade compensation lined up with the Packers. The potential moves have been arranged essentially with the permission of the Packers. The destinations are believed to be exclusively in the AFC. To little surprise, the Broncos are one of them. Other viable possibilities, we're told, are the Steelers and Titans. That sure appears to be a plant by the Rodgers camp, doesn't it? It comes off as stoking the public interest in those three cities so that these teams will be motivated to pony up as much as possible in a new contract for Rodgers and be willing to part with the trade capital necessary to acquire him. It also could be an attempt to goose the Packers into a favorable rework deal to keep Rodgers in Green Bay for the rest of his career. This source could be 100% accurate or entirely full of garbage. My guess is he's fluffing up some small nugget of the truth. To whatever degree it's true, though, the Steelers should be doing exactly what they are said to be doing in the story, and anything else is negligence on their part. The franchise needs a quarterback and has cap space to play with for a change. The two-time defending MVP at the position is apparently available on the trade market. The Steelers at least need to find out what the price is or make an offer that will get the Packers talking. If they talk and the Packers want too much or they get outbid by the Broncos or Titans, fine, hang up the phone. But Kevin Colbert minimally has to inquire to see what the asking price is to make an initial offer to spawn dialogue. Of course, whenever I advance this opinion, it brings up the old usual tropes from Steelers old-time fans and media members who don't want to see the Steelers pursue Rodgers or Derek Carr or Russell Wilson or any quarterback that could be had above the Mitch Trubisky, Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett bargain bin. Simply because... That's not how the Steelers do business in that. Or more specifically, he'll cost too much against the salary cap. They'll spend too much on draft picks to acquire him. He's too old. They need to address other needs on the team first. He's an annoying, self-absorbed, anti-vaxxing drama hound. And while I can't argue too much about that last one, and I guess I'm just willing to deal with it for a four-time MVP... In terms of what it'll cost against the salary cap, yeah, that might be the biggest sticking point. If he genuinely wants $50 million to stay in Green Bay annually, is he going to demand that much if he's traded elsewhere? What will be acceptable terms to him on a new contract if he's approving a trade? Because no team is going to give up the capital necessary to acquire Rodgers without the assurance that he'll stay in the new city beyond 2022. So yes, his contract demands are the biggest stumbling block. But the compensation to acquire him may not be. Mike Kliss of Nine News in Denver, he's covered the Broncos for a long time. He said a straight Aaron Rodgers trade would cost the Broncos nothing less than their number nine overall pick in the first round, number 40 in the second round, and next year's first round selection. The Steelers would have to do a little better than that since they pick later, number 20 in this year's draft. But if that's the framework... Is dealing two number one picks and a second rounder for Rodgers all that much? Especially since this is the same city that justified the Minka Fitzpatrick trade by saying Minka counted as a number one pick when he was acquired from Miami. Remember when we all did that? We twisted ourselves into knots to justify the Fitzpatrick trade by saying essentially he is a first round pick. Remember when everybody analyzed the draft 
of 2020 by saying you can't look at it without conditionally saying that Minka was the number one pick and then Chase Claypool is the second pick. Remember what we did there? We all talked ourselves into believing that. So does Rodgers count the same way? Or are we moving the goalposts simply because the idea of the Steelers swinging big for a quarterback makes our tummies feel uneasy? I know, I know, Fitzpatrick was 23, Rodgers is 38. The analogy isn't apples to apples, but Rodgers is a quarterback, so such a move is even more justifiable. Safety to quarterback isn't apples to apples either. That's like apples to toothpaste. For the he's-too-old crowd, NFL clubs get a first-round pick for five years. If you want to exercise the fifth-year option, it's a five-year deal when you get a first-round pick, right? The Broncos got four years out of Peyton Manning after he was acquired at 36 following neck surgery. He was second in the MVP balloting that that year. One of the next year, went on to two Super Bowls, winning one. Rodgers moves 10 times better than Manning did, and he just won MVPs at 37 and 38. Would you enjoy four years like that from Rodgers with the potential for four years of what the Steelers have gotten from other recent first-rounders instead, such as Artie Burns, Devin Bush, and Terrell Edmonds. Five of the last eight Steelers' first-round picks never made a Pro Bowl. In terms of addressing other needs first, the Steelers have a lot. Sure, they do. Without Rodgers, though, how many needs do you think the Packers have? That was a 13-win team with Rodgers. They'll struggle to win six or seven without him. When Manning went to Denver, the Broncos were 8-8 eight and eight the year before. When Tom Brady went to Tampa, the Buccaneers had just gone 7-9. Last year's Steelers were 9-7-1. The 2020 Los Angeles Rams were 10-6. They got two first-round picks, their own starting quarterback, and a third-rounder to get Matthew Stafford. So how did that work out? Look, this whole conversation could be rendered moot in your own head if you decide the report is bogus. You may not be wrong for doing so. However... If there is even a sliver of truth to it, then the Steelers are doing exactly as they should by opening a conversation with Green Bay and with Rodgers himself. The Steelers, by the way, holding steady at 60-1 to to win the AFC North. Biggest long shots on the board there. They remain 500-1 to to win the Super Bowl. If they were to get Aaron Rodgers, I'd assume they'd be in the top 10 among favorites to win the Super Bowl in terms of gambling odds anyway with all the money that would come in on them. And I'd assume that only the Bengals would be in front of them when it comes to the AFC North. Strangely enough, the Packers still at minus 167 favored to win the NFC North and are at plus 550 to win the NFC, barely behind the 49ers at plus 500 to win the conference. They are only behind the Bills, Chiefs, and Niners to win the Super Bowl at plus 1,200. And that baffles me. Why would anyone bet on the Packers now to do anything until they know what's going on with Rodgers unless you're 100% sure that he's staying and you think you're getting slightly better odds now by making the assumption that he's staying when there is some doubt and the Lions will shrink if he stays. But I expect that number to shift only moderately. So why bother running the risk is what I think. But we'll talk about that with Mark Madden too when we come back. Plenty of Penguins conversation a little college basketball, and much more. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers.
Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to experience Rush Pay. When you want to cash out your winnings, you don't want to wait two days just to get the go ahead to withdraw your money. That's why Bet Rivers created Rush Pay. With Rush Pay, 80% of withdrawal requests are approved instantly, meaning you'll get your money faster. Why wait? Get your cash when you want it. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers Sportsbook at BetRivers.com. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Bad Monday, and it's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com. Tim Benz and Mark Madden from 1059 The X you can read Mark in the Trib as well. Mark will be on the X quite a bit this week in advance of Penguin Games. Three big ones coming up against Florida, Vegas, Carolina. Top notch competition for the Penguins after they just split two games on the road against very good squads. Tampa and Carolina, a 5-1 victory against the Lightning, a 3-2 loss against the Hurricanes. Mark, let's start with the Tampa game. I think that was their best game of the year. If it wasn't, it might have been the other game there in Tampa to start the year on banner-raising night where they also beat the Lightning. But I was thrilled for what I saw from the Penguins in that contest against Tampa Bay. Yeah, and it makes you think if they do progress far enough in the postseason to play Tampa in a series, haven't beat them twice pretty handily at Tampa uh, should weigh well mentally on the Penguins and and negatively on Tampa Bay. But I I thought the game at Tampa was their best game of the season, even better than the opening night route of the Lightning. Uh, I just thought they played great hockey, 200 feet for 60 minutes, and the game was never in doubt. I thought they even dominated the physical part of the game, which the Penguins don't often do, let alone against a team as physically equipped as Tampa. I thought Geno's shift where he – he, he nailed the guy, then got a breakaway and scored. And Mark Friedman was the Israeli commando all night. He was stirring the pot. So I thought that was just a great night. Jari didn't even have to work too hard. That was uh, not an easy night for him, but certainly not a very testing one. The next night at Carolina, you hate to see him blow a 2 nothing lead. And uh, I think they got tired out. But that's not really a legitimate excuse because Carolina played on the road the night before. So each team traveled. Each team played uh, 24 hours earlier. But but overall, if you would have said before those games, you're going to get three points, you would have signed up for that for sure. Uh, I thought the first period against Carolina was real good. But as I said, after that, I think they faded. What about in overtime where Latang retaliated against Trocek? Well, Trocek punched Tanger in the back of the head, and the referee was looking right at it. You could see that on video. So I thought the referee should have taken both. So most of the fault lies with the official, but uh, Tanger needs to not retaliate there because you know they're going to call the retaliation a lot of the time. They did there. They put Carolina on that four-on-three power play, which to me is the best power play. Uh, Five-on-three, you have almost too many options. Four-on-three, there's a lot of ice and a lot of opportunity. So Tanger just needs to know better there. I'm not uh, inordinately chapped with him having done that, but he should not have. Agreed. I just hate that old adage, that hockey officiating adage of the retaliation always gets it first. When the first thing that's done is as egregious as what Trocek did, it's got to be at least you both go or you just call it Trocek. Well, no, the key is that that the referee was looking right at it. The reason the retaliation usually gets called is because the referee doesn't see the initial foul. But in this case, he obviously saw the initial foul, namely Trocek's punch. On the topic of power plays, Mark, I thought the power play that they had against Tampa to score, what was that in the first period, was as nicely balanced of 
elite playmaking and skill, but at the same time, not overdoing things to the point that it resulted in a goal. Yeah, I like the way that game started in general, Tim. Uh, Heinen scored, what, in the fourth minute, I think, or the fifth minute, and then the Penguins converted their first power play. Um, I will say, lately they're doing well on the power play, despite sometimes still overcomplicating. They're still not gripping and ripping. They're still not just, you know, crashing weak side looking for rebounds. But that was just a wonderful goal. And, uh, you know, it's funny. People talk about Gino having dominated that game, and he did. But then the next night at Carolina, he did almost nothing. But Sid was very good both nights. So it goes to show you Gino could be spectacular, but Sid could be cumulative. I want to go back to Friedman. Is he good enough? Is he useful enough in whatever role he has that it would make it worthwhile to trade another defenseman in one of those, as you refer to it, a hockey trade, a 91 or 92 trade where you trade good players for other good players. Could he handle a regular shift as being the sixth guy? No. Um, and part of that is the way the team's configured. I don't trust him on the left side, his offside all the time. And he's not better than, than Dumoulin, Pedersen, or Matheson. I think you could maybe trade Pedersen, but I'm not sure how much return you get. I'm not sure it would be worthwhile. As far as on the right side goes, you're not going to trade Latang. Uh, if they traded Marino, then you have uh, both Friedman and Ruedel playing regular shifts. In, in terms of putting Friedman in there for Ruedel, I'd consider because I think I think Friedman brings again that tenacity to the game, but it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other. So no matter how well Friedman plays, and he's done really well, I think. When everybody's healthy, he winds up once again as the seventh defenseman. And I don't think they make a trade having the confidence that he could play a regular shift, no. What kind of trade would you make, and would it include a first-round pick if necessary? I wouldn't trade the first-round pick. I've been going back and forth on that all the time, and I may yet change my mind again. But I don't think you're going to get that much for that first-round pick. You're not going to get J.T. Miller. Somebody's going to come in with a much bigger offer than the Penguins could even make if you gave them it gave Vancouver, you know, Kapanen a first-round pick and POJ. Somebody's going to come in with more than that, probably the New York Rangers. But I wouldn't trade the first-round pick simply because, well, I think the Penguins could beat anybody in a series. I don't think they could beat everybody in a series. I just don't feel like they're going to, you know, win a Stanley Cup, to be perfectly honest. So I, I do not trade the first-round pick, no. JT Miller is intriguing. He's been the guy that I've wanted, but I could also see exactly why the Rangers would want him back too. And to underscore your point, they seem to have more ability, more flexibility in terms of what they can squeeze into the cap without sending other stuff out. And they've also got assets that aren't expensive either that could entice another team. Yeah, uh, although I have heard that despite them having the equivalency of $31 million in cap space, you know, by the time it gets to the deadline because of, of pro rata and, and, and so forth, that they're not going to invest in a bunch of guys. They may go out and get one guy, and maybe that guy is J.T. Miller, but they have guys who are going to have to sign the long-term contracts coming up. Um, they've got a few contracts that kick in next year. So even though the Rangers, I think, will, will get a, a good acquisition before the deadline, I, I don't think they'll, you know, go all in and get a bunch of them and use all their cap space and really distanced himself quite a bit from the Penguins. I think the Rangers have arrived a year early. I think they're going to be better next year than this year, and I think they think that way too. How about the three-pack of games coming up for the Penguins here against Florida, Vegas, and Carolina at home this week? We are talking about being pleased with winning three of four points on the road for the Penguins last week. What's an acceptable number this week? 
Well, home's different, but I think you got to win at least two of the games. Okay. So four is what's acceptable. I prefer five, but you're at home. And you've got to win home games in the playoffs, right? Well, if these are playoff-like games, because I thought the Tampa game really had that kind of feel, then you have to to win accordingly. I, I'll be really encouraged that they get through this real tough seven-game stretch because after those home games, they go to St. Louis and Nashville. I think they need to win four of those games to really prove something. Four of those seven, like a playoff series. Carolina, Tampa, and Florida. Of those three teams, which one's the best now? Which do you think will be the best come playoff time? Uh, Florida now, Tampa then. Okay, I, I tend to. But, I would tend to say Carolina now, Tampa then. But yeah, I agree with you on the back end of that. Tampa just has Vasilevsky, and even though he was no box of chocolates in that game Thursday, he's still the best goalie in hockey. All due respect to Shesterkin, who hasn't proved it over the long haul yet. And uh, he's one of the five best goalies I've ever seen in the league. Mark, let's get to the Steelers. The news over the weekend that came out from Pro Football Talk about the Aaron Rodgers uh, situation insofar as they are reporting, they are reporting, that Rodgers could be had by the Broncos, Titans, or Steelers if he doesn't stay in Green Bay. Uh, I took that basically as a flat-out plant from Aaron Rodgers himself or his camp to goose those three cities and goose Green Bay. I don't know how much of it I believe, but I do think the Steelers should at least have put an inquiry out there to see what it would take. I know how much I believe. I don't believe a word. It's a flat-out lie. A flat-out lie. There's no way all three of those teams have made deals for Rodgers in advance, um, and, and there's no way they've negotiated a contract with him in advance. That is making the whole league or a sizable portion of it, three teams plus the Packers, into Aaron Rodgers' smorgasbord. And I just don't believe those teams would do that. If the Steelers did that, that would be a sad commentary on what they used to be as opposed to what they are now. And really, that commentary is out there anyway, Tim. But I just don't think they did this. I don't think any of those teams did that. That is so far-fetched as to beggar belief. Let me clarify for a second, Mark. You're saying you don't believe it because you think pro football talk made it up or there's somebody in Aaron Rodgers' camp who just planted a phony story? Oh, one or the other. I think Florio's better than that at profootballtalk.com. But if he really is better than that, he wouldn't have believed it if the story was planted. If somebody tells me that story, I'm just saying you're lying. There's just no way that's true. I saw where Mike Kliss, who's covered the Broncos for a long time, said that he was expecting the asking price to be around this year's first, next year's first, and a second this year. Is that too much for Aaron Rodgers? It's too much for the Steelers to give because they won't win the Super Bowl anyway. See, I think if you look at it, especially with the lens that the Steelers tried to employ when talking about Minka, it's only two picks. If you're looking at Rodgers, it's one of the picks. Isn't that what they said when they got Minka? Yeah, Minka was, what, 23 when they got him? Rodgers is 38. Pass. Hard pass. But he did just win two MVPs, and we saw what Peyton Tim, Manning did in Denver. they're not going to win the Super Bowl if they get Aaron Rodgers. And that's the only reason to get him. They simply are not. They're not good enough. They're nowhere close. They haven't won a playoff game in five years, and suddenly some 38-year-old guy's going to come in, MVP though he may be, and they're going to win the Super Bowl? I don't think so. How long will it take, do you think, to be Super Bowl worthy enough then to go after a quarterback to add to the nest that you've built? Oh, I'm hoping I never see it again in my lifetime. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, Tim, here's the thing I don't get, and I have a column I'm, I'm writing for the trip, 
about this. Um, for 52 years, they've done things a certain way. And here in Pittsburgh, we've beat our chest about it. We've talked about the Steeler way this, the Steeler way that, blah, blah, blah. And now all of a sudden we want to drop all that and trade two first-round picks in a second for a 38-year-old quarterback with no guarantees. Just let them build the team the way they always have because I still do believe that's their intent, to do things as they always have. But also doing things as they always have includes never allowing yourself to truly rebuild and always trying to middle the road. Yeah, but they're not in the middle of the road now. I mean, I, I don't care what their record said last year that they snuck into the playoffs given the most improbable circumstances on the final day. It's not a real good team. They haven't won a playoff game in five years. The last three playoff games they played, they've allowed more than 40 points every time. I'm sorry, it's just not a good enough team to make a trade for a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or whoever. What happened at the Combine with Kenny Pickett's hand measurement? Do you think that spooks them at all if they are truly as invested in him as some people suggest that they are? Well, I don't know, Tim. His original measurement was eight and a quarter. Now it's up to eight and a half, right? He, he's a growing boy. He's Bobby Bradying this thing. Yeah, rub some more of that cream on there. Stretch it out. <laughs> I, you see, here, here, Tim, if Kenny Pickett hadn't played for Pitt, none of us would care and would all be experts on hand size. Would also he can't play in the league. His hand's too small. You know, he's he's the best quarterback in a bad draft class. That's all he is. What about the upside of Willis? You don't seem enamored of that at all. I don't see the upside in the guy who played for Liberty Biberty. Who who played who played I don't want to call it small college football, but I don't want to call it SEC football either, or even ACC. I think if people are falling in love with what measurements mean and are disqualifying Pickett because of his hands, then they also have to look at every measurement and see that the low-hanging fruit comparison of Cordell Stewart isn't that low-hanging because they measure almost exactly the same. Well, that's what I really want the Steelers to get to him is another <laughs> Cordell Stewart. I just think we're too enamored with quarterback. There's so many other problems with his team. And Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in football. There's no doubt about that. He wouldn't win them a Super Bowl. He might not even win them a playoff game. He didn't win one in Green Bay last year, did he? No, but I also think that the comp suggesting that Green Bay and Pittsburgh are vastly different in terms of what their teams are with or without Aaron Rodgers is bogus too because I don't think Green Bay is going to be any good without Rodgers. Yeah, I, I just am never going to say they should get Aaron Rodgers. I can't talk myself into it. Although, Tim, I hope they do, because let me tell you something. He is a narcissist. He has <laughs> rabbit ears. He wants everyone to carry his water, and he gets prickly when, when people don't. He and I are a match made in heaven. It would be Godzilla versus Megalon. Plus, Mark, you're not going to have the Pirates to rip on, it looks like, so you're going to need something to carry you through, especially if the Penguins lose. Well, I'll be fine regardless. Hey, hey I want to get one thing in there, too, and I don't want to talk about it at length because I'm I'm kind of working on some material uh, concerning this, but the Steelers should should forget about quarterback and go sign Ryan Jensen, the, the center from Tampa Bay. I've been saying that that uh, they need to sign Mitchell Trubisky, take a defensive lineman with their first pick in the draft, and sign an established offensive lineman in the first day of free agency, and that guy should be Ryan Jensen. They should have drafted Creed Humphrey in the first place, but you can't undo that. And Ryan Jensen won't be cheap. His last deal was, what's it say here, uh, 42 mil over four years. And there's a, a rumor Cincinnati is going to give him 39 mil over three years. And if he's 
you know, uh, got a brain in his head or indeed watched football at all this past year, he would go there instead of Pittsburgh. But that's the guy they need to go after. That makes sense to me. Yeah, and there's that Bozeman guy is available too. There's like two or three good centers that are out there, Mark, but he caught my eye too. You know, I was listening to you talk there. and it kind of Well, Jensen's the best guy. I mean, yeah. you know, he made his first Pro Bowl last year. He's won a Super Bowl. I think he's the choice given the centers available. Uh, but, you know, the problem is going to be He's going to get guaranteed money past the first year. And Pittsburgh don't do that, so he probably won't come to the Steelers. It's sort of a kin mark, isn't it, to the, what we were talking about with the Rangers and Penguins when you look at the Bengals. The Bengals have a lot of the similar needs that the Steelers do. They just have more to play with. And they got a better team to offer. they got a better situation, a better quarterback, better everything. I agree with you on the defensive line front. Uh, I'm not usually one that's wowed by anything at the Combine. I, I tend to ignore it more than I probably should. Uh, at least watching it on first Tim, pass. I, I thought several members of our uh, brethren, the Pittsburgh sports media, absolutely disgraced themselves when they were tweeting about the underwear Olympics in Indianapolis, even as the Penguins were demolishing Tampa Bay. If some shows in this town or writers or whatever are just going to talk and write about football all the time, if they gain ground or even surpass me because of that, they're welcome to it. They're welcome to that crap because it's just, the Penguins are a better franchise than the Steelers now. Now, if you want to say football's more popular, go ahead. But the Penguins should get their due right now. The way they're playing, Crosby, Malkin, the superstars, the franchise's current reputation and standing, they're the number one franchise in town right now. They may not be the most popular, but in terms of the way they're run, they are number one. Mark, I will say this, though, to echo your point about the defensive line, the one thing that I did take away from the Combine was that freaking video of Jordan Davis at 341 pounds running a 4.6 or a 4.8 or whatever the hell it was. That was that was frightening. A guy of that size to move that fast. I mean, there's your guy, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, but can he play football? And don't get me wrong, I know he can. Yeah. But I'm just not going to conclude much from the Olymp- from the underwear Olympics. No, I hear I just... like you're the, the concept of leaning too much on that is what you're saying, right? The, well, mamu- the, concept, the, the concept of, of the media leading too much on it. Yeah. Like, like, I think the combine is done mostly to keep the NFL in the public eye as much as possible because that's their goal, NFL 24-7, 365. And, and I, I don't think it affects the draft more than, I don't know, if you look at all the factors that affect the draft, I think the combine weighs in at about 5 or 10%. Mark, are you going to check out Greta Van Fleet anytime soon? Did you iron out your tickets for Hershey? I'm going to Hershey. I'm going to go to uh, them opening for Metallica, and they released a whole bunch of fall dates. I'm not sure when I'm going to go see them there. I might, you know, might scalp something last minute. I got to see how the, the football and hockey schedule set up for the fall, but I, I definitely will see them uh, three times this year. I'm very interested to see when they play live how much of the newer stuff they play live. There's not as many fan-approving bangers in their new stuff. It's a little bit there more... There aren't as many anthems in yeah. the new stuff. Yeah, exactly. I wonder how much of that they'll play. Yeah, you see, I, I think, you know, for, for a group that, that doesn't like to be compared to Led Zeppelin, although I don't think they've ever said that out loud in in, in, in any uh, supremely negative terms, but but they to me, they're in their Led Zeppelin three phase now. They're like the hippy-dippy lighter fair. Mm-hmm. The last album didn't wow me too much. I'll be interested to see how it goes over live. I do know this, though. The biggest concert of of this season, of this summer season, has to be Antonio Brown rapping to open for Kanye West at Rolling Loud. I think we're all going to be there for that one. Didn't hear about it. Don't give a rat's ass. (laughs) 
one thing about Greta, though, like, like, and I know you agree with this, Tim. No matter what their set list is, they they have more energy at, than any concert out there today. No question. Dirty Honey does as well. They really crack alive. I'm looking forward to seeing them at the, uh, what's it called again? The Rexion? Is that what it is? Out in McKee's Rocks? The Roxian? Is that what they call it? Yes, the Roxian, correct. I will enjoy that. That's the night of the tournament here in Pittsburgh. Believe it or not, Mark, there will be good college basketball in Pittsburgh. They're going to have the NCAA tournament here, so we'll at least see one good game this season. Oh, Tim, it won't be better than Mike Shisevsky getting his ass kicked all over Cameron <laughs> Indoor. In his last uh, ACC home game ever. You know what? The only thing... His last home game, period, right? I mean... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he goes. He has tournament games, but that's his last game there. And Tim, it goes to show you, they had that that big post-game ceremony for Coach K, which they should. I mean, there's no doubting his place in Duke and in collegiate basketball history. But when you have something like that planned, make sure you play a team you can't possibly lose to in that game. They should have played Pitt. <laughs> Mark Madden, he's on three until six. Make sure you check him out there. Read him in the Trib as well. Brought to you as always by Bet Rivers. It is a Madden Monday podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.